Ladies and gentlemen, now hosting the Rizzo cast, put your hands together for Steven Risotto. What is going on, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 110 of RizzoCast. I'm Steven Risotto, and uh, we're joined today by uh, Jasper Lindsay. Uh, Jasper, what's going on? How you doing? We're doing good. Baseball season in full swing. What more could I really ask for, Steve? Definitely, and the, the weather is great. <laughs> I, the weather's fantastic, and you know the the there's definitely storylines to to go around the league right now. And uh, I, I think one of the things that I saw my timeline was Chris sale and you know, baseball seasons back when there's some, some angry people on a baseball field. Right. And we saw the whole angels and Mariners fight a few weeks ago. Um, and we're kind of towards the middle of the season past the halfway mark and tempers are uh, kind of soaring, not just in the big leagues, but the, at the minor league level too. Chris sale uh, was in his rehab start. And I think he threw three innings. He might've given up a, a big home run or something, or like a bases clearing double. And there was someone recording him getting taken out of his rehab start. And the recording followed him into the dugout, down the stairwell, into the tunnel. And they showed him just tearing apart a TV, destroying whatever else was in that tunnel. And I just feel like that's the most Chris Sale thing to ever happen. Did you see that? What was your first reaction when you saw that? <laughs> yeah so when most guys get sent down there for rehab starts they typically buy the clubhouse dinner chris sale took it an extra yard and just decided to just destroy the clubhouse which i thought i mean if you're a red sox fan that's awesome to see you want like chris sale wants to be back he wants to be pitching like a guy who's that passionate about messing up in the minor leagues on a rehab start that would fire me up as a fan but i thought it was hilarious i mean you know every pitcher has their vice i mean especially like with the meltdowns, those are always great to see. I remember Brian Wilson's a couple of years ago when he took the bat to the Gatorade uh, container, but yeah, it was fun to see. I'm mean, Chris Sale is a hell of a competitor. I mean, he had to have paid for that, right? Oh yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Th there's no way he did not pay for. But he's the... making a hundred million dollars a year or like or over several years. So he doesn't really care. It's... No, not at all. The That's TV's best buy for him. Exactly. The TV's the least of the worries and it's a minor league TV. So how good could it be? Right. But <laughs> Uh, you mentioned like they they always buy players uh, the minor league players dinner or whatnot. Max Scherzer like a few days before or a few weeks or like a week before uh, bought like a fifteen thousand dollar like rib dinner for everybody and like bought AirPods for every player. And he's an intense guy and he's he's not getting mad at the uh, at rehab results so you know i guess i understand where chris sales coming from there's certain guys that get fired up you know jake Peavy was like that who else were some guys that just like got fired up i mean there's one that i'm, I'm missing here that Jordano ventura rest in peace he'd always get yeah no matter what he did um i'm trying to think i feel like randy johnson was always a hell of a competitor out there and always played with emotion um oh i found the obvious one Mad bum. Yep. Just Get everything. Yeah. Go everything made Madison Bumgarner mad. And um, it's kind of interesting to see him in Arizona. And we saw the whole situation with the umpire and the, the foreign substance check. And he got mad at that. But as he should, that was weird. That was weird. That oh. was weird. I think umpiring's at a whole new low this season. I've seen it bad as it's ever been. Um, but that's that's neither here nor there. But yeah, I wanted to start off with the Chris Sale thought. And just to follow up on that, I mean, we were both like athletes. I guess if you want to call it athlete, that might be generous considering we, put, we played baseball uh, in San Francisco, which, I mean, that's the least expected spot for baseball talent. Um, but I guess we could kind of relate that when you – get frustrated you tend to take it out on something right did you ever have those teammates that would just come in the dugout after striking out and slam the bat or, or were you one of those teammates uh i had one time where i threw my helmet uh but other than that i think i was pretty even keel um yeah no funnily enough it was always the players who struggled the most who would get the most upset which i thought was pretty funny but i don't know i mean baseball's a sport where you got to kind of suppress that emotion especially like I think it's okay to show emotion when you're doing well, but when things are going bad, I don't know. I think I'm kind of a traditionalist in that sense, I guess. I would keep my head down and just keep grinding. 
Yeah. Speaking of things going bad, have you seen the batting averages across the league? Really? Like every like time a new team comes into town, they go, Oh, well, here's Salvador Perez hitting at 213. Or here is Joey Votto hitting at 215. You know, it's and I know batting average isn't necessarily the stat that it once was in terms of reference and in terms of fanfare around it with the younger generation coming up, but can we have a guy hit 250? Is that too much yeah, to ask for? Too much to ask, I guess, these days. Uh, but it's crazy, too, because, like, those guys will come to town, they'll have 213, like 207, but their on-base percentage will be incredible. So it's really just kind of a double-edged sword there, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, and that's the, that's the upside for sure. And I guess looking at the standings, um, is there anything that sticks out? Because, I mean, I guess the one that I'm looking up and that I'm keeping up with the most is it has to be the – the American League uh, East. Sorry, the American League East is just a. It's going to be a complete dogfight in terms of that that wild card. Uh, there's teams that could get in: the Red Sox, the Rays. We know the Yankees kind of have that division locked up. The Yankees are on a historic pace, but I'm most intrigued with that whole second part of that division with the Rays and the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays aren't as good as I think we thought, and I think the Yankees aren't. aren't as bad as we thought we didn't think the Yankees would be bad but we just thought that they would not be this good if that makes sense yeah um and I think with the Blue Jays especially it comes down to Jose Barrios's inability to pitch I mean it's been a nightmare season for him and this is a rotation which coming in I mean you got Gosman Barrios and then Ryu and I think they were hoping Nate Peterson Pearson would be along a little more by now but yeah I don't know I think Toronto is definitely a team to watch the deadline, especially as they look for pitching and to add arms because their lineup is lights out one through nine. They can hit home runs. They can put it in the seats. So yeah, I think the ALS is really interesting, but I think the AL central is equally as competitive. I mean, there's mm-hmm. no team it's been switching between the twins, the white Sox, the guardians. I mean, I don't know how the white Sox are still in it the way they've been playing. Um, sweeping the giants obviously helped, but, um, no one's really run away with that division yet. So I think especially as we get into August and as the trade deadline approaches, someone in that division, I think is going to make a big splash. move. Yeah. And the twins, I agree. I don't think the twins are safe. Um, they, they have a lead right now, but um, they're missing an ace, right? They don't have that guy that you could go, you know, into a game one with confidently, you know, as much as you have guys like Sonny Gray and, Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer whenever he gets back and Joe Ryan's been a nice surprise, but you don't have that guy. I think the Reds would be in a, in the market for, you know, maybe a yeah. Luis Castillo, right? I mean, there's another pitcher available, Tyler right? That Malley, I'm, maybe. Who? Tyler Malley. Tyler Malley, yeah. Luis Castillo, Tyler Malley. Uh there's one that I'm I'm blanking on that is also gonna be available. Um Monster. Although he just got hurt. Frankie Montas. Yeah, that was the one that I was thinking of. But if you're now the A's, Frankie Montas getting hurt is your worst night. What a collapse. Why didn't they trade him? I don't even know. That's awful. That is so bad. Um, I mean, the one guy that has value for you at the deadline, you can't trade. Probably should have traded him. That's a mess. But, yeah, no, I do think the Twins need a frontline pitcher. Uh, and back to the Blue Jays for a second. Imagine if they had an outfield. Imagine if they had one more big outfielder, one more maybe starting pitcher, definitely one more reliever. Well, they had um, Randall Gritchick, and he's playing well for the Rockies. I think <laughs> that's a thought, match made in heaven for the Rockies. I thought, thought Rymel Tapio was going to kind of burst on the scene out in Toronto, but he has yet to do that. Yeah. Need another bat in Toronto, maybe. Yeah. That, might, that might help them a little bit, but they, they found something in the catcher that they have, Kirk. Um, I mean, Danny Jansen's a good catcher, too which is mm-hmm. great. And then they still have Moreno in their farm system, Martinez at shortstop. But, I mean, I really just don't know how you get those guys in the mix. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely – I mean, trading Austin Martin, kind of looking back, kind of hurts them. I feel like Austin Martin would have been the guy he could maybe call up this year and get going. But I don't know. Yeah, and I know you were intrigued to see the Baltimore Orioles doing pretty well. They're four games below – or yeah, four games below five hundred. They fight, man. I mean, the Orioles are awesome to watch just because there's never a dull moment with them. And they got some guys who can put the ball in the seats. I mean, Mancini's still good. Mountcastle is probably one of the most underrated first basemen in all of baseball. Mm -hmm. Cedric Mullins is still a problem. And Adley Rushman, he's starting to hit home runs. I mean, but the average is still not where you want it. But 
he's a young guy who's going to find his footing in the MLB. I don't doubt it for a second. And Austin Hayes is really good too. Oh yeah, Hayes like, yeah they've did they have these guys and they can play, but like they're in the AL East, and that's kind of a death sentence if you're the weak link out there. Yeah, it is, and it seems like we're going through just a trend in baseball where the 500 teams or the close to 500 teams are, and I guess that goes with the expanded playoffs, but like the the Phillies are just five games above 500, and you know they're they're in the mix right now for a wild card spot. Um, you know, then of course you have the Cardinals who are five games up, but I mean, the, the national league central is interesting too. Cause I mean, you have the, the Brewers and the Cardinals kind of a two team race there. And you have the Brewers who's starting pitchers outside of Kirby, Corbin Burns with Woodruff and Peralta. They've been hurt. They've been kind of non-existent when they've been on the field too. So, I mean, I think the Brewers, I don't know about you, but the Brewers always seem like a bat away, don't they? Just like a bat away. Yeah, and it, I, I feel mean, like Christian Yelich is a part of that too because he needs to, you know. <laughs> is are we? I feel like we're getting to the point where it's time to start talking about is Yelich ever going to be the same player? I just I don't know if he is. Yeah, I mean, one hundred seven OPS plus. You know, he's an above average league hitter, but all right, he's an above average. Yeah, an above average league hitter, and he's just not the same in terms of like the MVP and the big second half that he had a few years back when he won the MVP, it's not the same. I mean, which he could easily turn it on. I mean, I think he's just still not fully healthy. He's only 30. Isn't that yeah. amazing? Yeah. feels like he's been around for, for such well, a long time. It's also crazy to think that him and Bellinger were the two guys we were talking about as the faces of baseball. And now they've just kind of slipped off. That's right. That's right. And what do you think about the, the national league East? Because there, there's a few teams here. I know the Braves got really hot, and they're going to catch the Mets, I think. You know, the Mets yeah. have been playing. The Mets played way over their heads, maybe, and now they're kind of – the Mets played over their heads. I think the Mets, like, they got hurt, and they didn't deal with injuries well, and that's just how baseball goes sometimes. But I don't know. I think the Mets are so tired of this narrative that they're going to collapse, and <laughs> I think that fan base is tired of it. I feel like they something's going to click and they're going to turn it on. They're going to go on a winning streak sometime soon. I mean, they. I don't want to say I'm rooting for the Mets because I always root for the Mets to do their thing and lose. But I mean, I'm. It's going to a point where I mean, Degrom has been lights out for so many years. I feel like that guy deserves to be playing meaningful baseball in September. Yeah, and maybe playing over their heads wasn't right the the right term, I guess. But the Braves have you know they went on that big winning streak. They've been playing really well as of late. They're coming. They're, they're going to yeah. come. They're, they're coming. They have some position players they that are playing so really well. Pitching depth too. So it's much. Really yeah. Soroka is coming back soon too. Oh yeah. Michael Harris has been great. And that's the other thing is like some of their best pitchers aren't even pitching well yet. You know, Ian Anderson, I know has struggled a little bit. Kyle Wright. Um, but yeah. Soroka coming back, having freed there. It's they're unreal. Yeah. And it's going to be a dog fight because the Mets, who are they going to get back? They just got Scherzer back. They're going to get DeGrom back. Exactly. And they're going to get, um, uh, what's his name? Bassett back too. So yeah. And Chris Bassett, hell of a pickup for the Mets. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then the National League West, of course, you know, we get a lot of listeners that have their allegiance towards the San Francisco Giants and they're now 41 and 40 at the, at the time of this recording, 41 and 40 after 107 wins last year through their first 81 games. 41 and 40. I mean, does that shock you at all? I don't know. Like with the Giants, I just like I never know what to expect with the Giants because Farhan's been great at getting fines, but at one point or another, and they were talking about this on 957 the other day, they were talking about how yes, you can get your fines, but he doesn't really have his farm system ready to come up and like bolster those fines. In a way, like, because Luciano's not up there yet. Bart struggled. I mean, he almost hit the home run until a fan robbed him last or two nights ago. But they don't really have that homegrown core yet. So it's kind of like piecing together veterans and these kind of players they find that slip through the gap or slip through the cracks. I don't know. I mean, they don't have that guy. Yeah. Do you, do you, but do you go all in at the deadline and get that guy? Is it time? I don't know. I don't know what they do at the deadline. Um, now Del Scafani's out for the year. I mean, yeah, 
can't trust him in the ninth necessarily anymore and it's weird because the giants are like top five in the national league at scoring runs but it seems like they just have three two three hits every night but yet you look at the leaderboard and you know maybe they're not hitting home runs like they were last year they broke a team record for home runs last season they're not going to come close to that they haven't had the pinch hit success in their defense i was telling you off air that this is the worst defensive giants team i've seen um and they're pitching you know there's first base shortstop third base there's nothing in second base it's ridiculous absolutely well yeah absolutely 100 percent. and you know everybody just regressed i mean they played really well last year and everybody's kind of you know brandon crawford regressed brandon belts regressing uh you look at uh, some of the outfielders with mike Yastrzemski, and there's two bright spots three bright spots on four i guess now i'm thinking of all the four bright spots on this team camilo duvall okay and this is not an order but camilo duvall he's a an established bullpen arm now he's had a few blown saves but which closer doesn't right duvall carlos rodon was a great find he's been good hasn't been his sell himself lately but still really good you know exactly logan webb is another bright spot just even when he doesn't have his best stuff, last night he did not have his best stuff. He only had two strikeouts, and he still got through eight innings. And then uh, Jock Peterson. You know, those are your bright spots right now. And only rest, one of those is a hitter. Yeah, one of those is a hitter. And when I walk around the ballpark, and I'm sure when you go to games, you feel the same way. When you walk around the ballpark, what jerseys do you see? Tim Lincecum, Brian oh. Wilson. Bond. Matt Kane, Bonds. Nobody from this team, man. Nobody. Yeah. So. I mean, I, I don't know if you're ready like to shell, shell out prospects like that, especially if you're going after a guy like Wilson Contreras who's on the final year of his deal. And you run into a similar situation where you ran with Chris Bryant where you have – you get this guy, but you can't keep him in the bed. And I don't know. Yeah, the Giants – it's not time to worry. I mean, they played out of their minds last year. They played, they went beyond expectations and they've kind of fallen back down to earth, but they're not a bad team. Like they're moving in the right direction. Uh, I just, I think you need to get those homegrown guys up and they need playing time, but it's hard when you don't know if you're still rebuilding or competing. And there's a positive to this. Cause you know, they, they played at the time of this recording, they played the Padres really tough last night. Um, and you know, got the game, the extra innings. They had a scoring opportunities. They didn't. It didn't happen. But the good thing that the Giants have coming towards them, and this could be a curse or a blessing, is that in the second half they have a lot of matchups between the Arizona Diamondbacks, the and and the Dodgers and the Padres. So whether you see the matchups between the Dodgers and the Padres as a negative, it's also a way for them to make up ground in the postseason, and I guess in the the not just the wild card race, but also, you know, whatever last chances they have at the division. I don't know if that's even in the question at this point, but you want to square up against those teams. Like those are the teams you want to play because um, they haven't been playing good against the 500 teams. So 500 or below teams. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta play well against those teams if you want to win. Goes. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the Padres are going to be great and they finally have like, Talk about a team with pitching depth. I mean, Mike Clevenger's back, and he looks – he hasn't skipped a beat. Blake Snell's finally starting to pitch well. And just how scary is that team going to be when they get Tatis back and fully healthy? I mean, it's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, maybe a bullpen piece away, you know. And I I, I like what they have with the pitching. Joe Musgrove, I think, is one of the best pitchers in the National League. Absolutely. You know, you Darvish is always seemingly like that type of guy. He maybe he's not the guy that everybody thought he would be in terms of being an ace, but he walks in the clubhouse and you know what you're going to get every single year. Like it, it's not bad, it's not ace level, but it's just solid like number two starter stuff. Yeah. A lot of strikeouts. I mean, just just someone who's just been so consistent throughout his he career. Then, around like probably I'd say three, three, two, three. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes it'll dip below three, but like, yeah, you Darvish is he's consistent, and he's going to give you a chance to win, and that's the most important thing. Mackenzie Gore, you know, so I mean, they have a they have a nice kind of nucleus that they're forming down there in downtown San Diego, and uh, and then a few miles up north, in uh, on Monday the twelfth, uh, no, on Monday the nineteenth or Tuesday the 
God, now all my days are screwed up. The MLB All-Star Game is going to be on Tuesday the 19th uh, at Dodger Stadium, just a uh, few hours north of Petco Park in San Diego at Dodger Stadium. And, um, I mean, I don't remember – I don't think I've been around for an All-Star Game at Dodger Stadium. I feel like that's a great venue for an All-Star Game because you have Hollywood there and the stars are going to come out. But I'm just really excited for a Dodger Stadium All-Star Game. I think that's a really fun uh, venue. It's going to be great. I think it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be kind of – it's going to be this clash of kind of modern baseball, traditional baseball, and it's going to be great for the league. I think you're going to get a lot of eyes come come July, whatever the day goes on. Yeah, Dodger Stadium, nice weather too. Like it's not going to rain. Yeah. You know, it's it's just perfect. And I, I hope we get some like stars coming out too. That would be cool because then it will give Fox the opportunity to do the whole uh, in between innings. Oh, J Lo's here in a suite. Yeah. Right. And there's Mark Wahlberg sitting on the third base side, you know? So that would be cool. But, uh, and I know we kind of did some all star game picks and granted, MLB has a new voting format where some guys are already locked into his starting spot. I think Judge and uh, there might be another few guys that are locked it's in. another outfielder. I forget who, who it is, though. Yeah, I'm not too sure. Goldschmidt might be locked in, I think. I'm not sure. Um, but I figured that we could go through real quick and just kind of uh, pick out some of the uh, – I guess we could start with the American League, and um, we could go position by position here. I'll start. I'm gonna, I'll go with uh, Alejandro Kirk. I kind of name-dropped him earlier. He's been a nice surprise for Toronto, and there's just no other good catchers in the American League right now. That's my no, he's like his other competition is Jose Trevino. Yeah. Like we thought it would be Salvador Perez, right? Broke the home yeah. run record for catchers last year. Adding 270 is considered an all-star for a catcher. Absolutely, yeah. So Kirk, who, who's your guy there at catcher for the AL? It's Kirk. I mean, there's no one else, right? Yeah. And then this one was tough. First base for the American League was tough too because, you know, I guess – the popular vote right now, I believe, is Ty France from the uh, Mariners. But, you know, he might be having a better year. But I want to see Vlad. I want to yeah. see Vlad Jr. at first base. Absolutely. And he's probably going to be Vlad. I mean, I don't know. France is still hurt, I'm pretty sure, too. Yeah. Or, no, he just came back, I think. But Vlad, I mean, who, like, I, I combined it with kind of, like, guys that are having good years, but also guys that I want to see. Yeah. Um. And it won't be someone that's like a great player, but you know, not good this year. It's going to be someone who's kind of having a blend of notoriety plus a good year. Second base, you know, I, as much as people hate him, Altuve back at Dodger Stadium. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. Yeah. That should be a, a nice ovation for him. <laughs> I think I went Espionol for second base because mm. I refuse to vote for any Astro player. Fair, fair. Anyway. I understand that. And the funny thing is that uh, the booze will be great though when he steps up to the plate. They will be, yeah, absolutely. Kevin Biggio was supposed to be the second baseman for the Blue Jays. What happened to him? I don't even know. There's all these guys like Biggio kind of fell off. I always find like players who I used to root for and like kind of were up and coming, and they just kind of taper off. Uh, yeah, yeah Biggio is a guy who I think I I thought when he first burst on the scene was going to be a big part of the Blue Jays lineup going forward because they had the, the it was advertised as the three kids of yeah. and it was going to be a great marketing tool but Vigio's kind of tapered off a little bit exactly. he's still young he'll be fine he'll yeah be who's your AL shortstop I honestly forget who I put but I think I picked Bobochet I mean but, yeah there's another guy who I just wanted to see play and Bobochet's awesome he's great for the game of baseball I don't know who you have I have Xander Bogarts I think he's severely underrated um there's talk about when the the uh, Red Sox uh, signed Trevor Story. There's talk about moving Bogarts to second. Yeah, but he's playing a really good shortstop too, so got to give him credit. Um, and then third base was really difficult, but I think Jose Ramirez is the guy at third base. It has to be Jose Ramirez. I mean, he has kind of slowed down a little bit, but he's still like he's put the Guardians on his back. It's incredible, and he doesn't strike out. Yeah. No, he's, he's great for baseball. He's everything baseball should be. Yeah, he's fun. He doesn't strike out. And I guess the other guy that we could put, uh, Rafael Devers, just he's going to be on the team anyways. So 
Just and he's a, been a pretty a perennial MVP candidate. So yeah, another guy who's just super underrated. He's you so know? young too. It's crazy. Yeah. So we'll go with Ramirez and then outfield. Uh for three outfielders, I put Judge, um, Trout, <laughs> and then he's he's in there as a DH, but I also put Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Um, because I kind of cheated a little bit. I wanted to fit him in there because I had Otani at DH. So I wanted yeah. to fit your because your Don is like the best hitter in baseball this year. By he's crazy, he's insane. He's and insane. The deal yeah. the Astros got him on is a steal. Where'd they get him from again? I mean, I think they got him internationally, but the deal he just signed with them, I think, was way below what the best. Like that's I right. I think he should be demanding judge money, but he got signed for I think six years, a hundred million plus. Your good call. Yeah, that's a that's rough. You know, he's. He would be making much more if he signed it a few off seasons from now or next off season. It, that's the crazy part. He signed it this year. Yeah, that news just kind of flew right over my head. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like when Acuna and Albies signed their hundred million dollar deals a couple of years back, and they were way below what I thought they were. Didn't Acuna get like six years? Like, or no, Albies got like six years, thirty million or something. Or yeah. no, something insane like that. And I knew Acuna got like eight years, a hundred. Yeah, which is still eight years, a hundred million for a guy who's going to be the face of your franchise. It's just think of how pissed off you might be if you're Ronald Acuna, and you're looking at the headlines with Juan Soto and the massive payday he's about to get, and just going, "Oh man, you know, I could have, I got a hundred million dollars. He could have gotten two hundred million dollars easy, and that might have been on the low side." And if you so, think about like, and how mad are you uh, if you're Freddie Freeman? The Braves still have all this money they haven't spent on Acuna. Oh man, did you keep up with? Uh, we could go on a little tangent. Did you keep up with that whole weekend? Oh that my goodness! Wild. Oh my goodness. So, I had like inklings that Freddie really didn't want to be in LA. Yeah. Um, like I mean, when he came back, like, and he walked in the room of reporters and started crying. I understand, but. It seemed like every twist and turn of that weekend, he was in tears. You know, and it's you know great. You know, he was a guy who's big part of that team, big part of the way the Braves, you know, went about their business. But Clayton Kershaw said it best. You know, I hope we're not second fiddle. And I think they are though. I they think they are it. too. And the I firing mean, of the agent was weird. Now I'm not. I heard the rumors. I'm not entirely sure because you can get sued by his agent if you say anything. Like yeah. That could be uh, Yeah, absolutely. Right. So I don't know if that's all there, but the firing, the timing of the firing of the agent was really weird to me. So I'm thinking that he went in there. He went in the Truist Park in Atlanta, saw some old old friends, and they're like, Oh man, sad that you're not with us. And then he's like, I would have come back, but the Braves didn't offer. And then somebody must have said something like, Well, we did offer you something. And then Freddie Freeman's going to say, oh, well, I didn't get an offer. And then that's where the agent, that's what I think might have yeah. happened or at least what's being alleged. But, I mean, it's just, he 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 did not want to be in L.A. He wanted to be in Atlanta for sure. Yeah. Um, and I do feel bad for the abuse that he got for leaving Atlanta, you know, because it did kind of make it, you know, people did kind of make it look like it was his fault. Yeah, um, no, absolutely. So. But, I mean, when your team trades for Matt Olson, what else are you supposed to do? I mean, yeah, the farm system from Olson. That was the nail in the coffin. But Olson's been good for them. Freeman's been good for LA. So yeah, and I mean, Olson looks like a steal thus far. I mean, Pache has not come along the way he is expected. Yeah, but it will be forgotten about. I think eventually Freeman will warm up to LA. But I haven't seen anything much like that where a guy just openly played on a different team for the series <laughs> or like Crazy. not physically but like mentally yeah. like i should be here you yeah. know it's weird yeah uh but who do you have in the outfield kind of the same structure there with judge of course Definitely, judge yeah. i'm sure i got judge trial and then i think i've forgiven george springer enough so i i, I give it to george he's been yeah. in that leadoff spot for uh, for the blue jays i think springer is like one of the top leadoff home run hitters ever i think it's he's awesome. got like he's going to break the record for most leadoff home runs ever. Like, I mean, that shows you how much teams put big power guys in the leadoff spot now, but, and then DH Otani, you know, we want to see him. There's no yeah, question about yeah. it. 
Um, and then pitching wise, I know nobody really votes on this. The managers pick the pitching staff, but Shane McClanahan from Tampa Bay is just a monster. Has to be there. He's a monster. Incredible. He's incredible. Yeah. And then uh, Justin Verlander, anyone? What a like! I thought he was done. I couldn't lie, but he has come back with a fury, and he can still he can still sling it, man. He's awesome to watch. Do you remember when there was that time when he was still with the Tigers and his velocity was hovering around 90, 92, and he had like the arm surgery or whatever, and they're like, oh, Verlander's done. And then he just completely rebounded with Houston, and he's found kind of a second home there. Um, he could and pitch his, for a while. His velocity still climbs as the game goes on. It's incredible to see. And when we think of pitchers that do that, who do we think of? Justin Verlander. So – that's kind of cool. I put Gosman on there too. I think Gosman, I'd like Gosman's to see him. Great. The guy who I think the Giants probably wish they still had a little bit. Yeah, maybe so. That would be a nice three-headed monster with Rodon. I think they could have afforded both. Yeah, especially since they didn't move for a guy, but that's neither here nor there. Yeah, and then if I were to pick one relief pitcher, it would be Holmes, Clay Holmes from the New York Yankees. He's Just there. a monster. Absolute monster. He'd be my guy. Um, and then I in the national, I'd go with someone out of the Tigers pen. The Tigers bullpen's been unreal. I they should deal some of those guys. Oh, yeah. they definitely have to. The Tigers bullpen's been great, so I think you'll see some of them as all star representatives. Yeah, is there anybody we're missing there in the American League? I think we nailed it all. I don't know. I don't think so. I think we're pretty good here. Let me let me check real quick. But there's, yeah. I mean, there's there's good players all over the. I feel it because Devers is the one that I really didn't want to leave out, but I also wanted to put Ramirez in there some way, somehow. Um, Alec Manoa for the Blue Jays. Yes. He's been a nice shot in the arm. Um, Julio Rodriguez is starting. He's going to be the second half MVP, I think. He's that man can run and he just puts balls in seats and that's all he does. It's great to see. Byron Buxton. Buxton, yeah. Um, I'm also looking at uh, Kyle Tucker, who's cemented himself as a really consistent player. Yeah, man, it seems like the Astros lose a guy and they just add another. It's crazy. Yeah. That is probably one of the most well-run farm systems in all of baseball. Yeah, and look how they built it by tanking. And that was like ten years ago, and it's still going pretty well. You know, that's crazy. impressive. Uh, and I, I think, think they they really kicked ass in the international market too. That too, yeah. Orioles, I hope, are going down that pace. You know, Pirates, I think we're starting to see with Pittsburgh, too. Yeah. Well, now they're finally not trading away all their assets for bogus deals. Did you see that graphic of all the pitchers that the Pirates had? It's crazy. (laughs) Every time I see that thing, it's insane. I mean, you're talking about Glasnow, Clay Holmes, another guy, Tyone. Tyone, yeah. Musgrove. Um, Musgrove. Uh, Cole, that's five. Charlie Morton, if you want to go way back, yeah, you know, I've got like that's rotation. Is if Charlie Morton's your five guy, that's pretty damn good. Crazy. (laughs) Oh man. All right. Well, let's go over to the National League. Um, there's no good catchers in the net, there's no good catchers anywhere. It's just really hard to find value at that position. Well, Wilson Contreras is still, yeah, he's my guy there. It's crazy though. I like. I don't know what's up with being a catcher these days and just not being able to hit. I think it's just such a defensively overwhelming position that you just – that's your main goal. You're, you're the field jump. You're not there to hit. Yeah, I guess that makes sense too. That would probably be my reasoning as well. Uh, in the first base, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that Paul Goldschmidt is heading down an MVP, you know, avenue. His first? His first? I think so. Yeah. Would it be his first? Has he? I don't think his first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because he was stuck. He was stuck on the Diamondbacks for so long. You know what? I think we start getting into the debate. Is Paul Goldschmidt a Hall of Famer? We'd have to look deeper into that. The way he's playing at 33, 34. The way he's playing at 34. Ah, he's crazy. He's incredible. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how long he can keep this up, but I think Goldsmith could be on the Hall of Fame. I kind of put him right now in the same like level as like, and I haven't looked at the numbers, so this could be way off, but like in the same category as like 
Mookie Betts, Arnado, Machado, you know, that like a little bit below tier, like not yet. Still I throw, possible. Him, I throw him in the Buster Posey category. Okay. Although Posey has more accolades, but their stat lines are pretty similar. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, Goldschmidt, of course, just, I think he's one of the best first basemen of this generation. No doubt about it. Easily. Easily. Um, but I do want to give props to Pete Alonzo. He would be my number two, and I know he's getting a lot of fanfare. Yeah. Um, with the votes as the uh, – As he should. The pet the pet washing uh, van comes up in my driveway. The dog washing, the dog groomer. Um, but, yeah, no, Pete Alonzo, you know, having a good year. And I think we're starting to really see Pete Alonzo be a leader for a New York Mets team that wins. You know, we've seen it kind of like – spurts of it but now winning pete alonzo is something cool to see because he kind of takes that mentality and takes it very seriously and he's good at it yeah no and he was he was the uh the head guy for let's fucking go Mets. yeah <laughs> exactly now the owner uses it so i know it's crazy gotta love Keep that going. what a guy that guy, what a guy. we love the polar bear and maybe he wins his third straight home run derby yeah, and we're coming up on the anniversary of uh, the Mets losing Kumar Rocker. Oh, man, yes. That's right. All undraft fumble. And now who's going to draft him this year? I don't know. It's going to be – he was tearing it up in the independent league he was playing in. Yeah, that should be interesting. I wish I knew more. I wish I prepared better for the draft. Yeah. I only know one guy, Drew Jones, who is uh, Andrew Jones's son, who's expected to go number one or two overall. Yeah. Um. And also Nazir Moulet, who was on the podcast way long ago, mm-hmm. um, who's just a stud out of Patterson, New Jersey. He's probably going to go in the second or third round. Um, he's like 18, throws 99. <laughs> so, um, And then second base for the National League, I put Tommy Edmond. You know, again, just not really a rich position. Um, yeah, I think Ozzy Albies was the other option at this point, so I have Albies going just because. Yeah. He's a guy where it's just the namesake, I feel like, at this point. Like, he still puts up great stats, but. Um, He'll probably be there, but it's a shame that he won't be able to play with his broken foot or whatever he has. But um, that probably would have been my pick, too, if he was on the field. Um, but yeah, second, Tommy Edmond's been surprisingly really good, um, especially defensively as well. Yeah, and they need it, especially with Paul DeYoung just tanking. Oh, man, what a fall off. Crazy. Uh, now, shortstop is where it gets a little bit interesting because I think it's a three-man race with Lindor, who's kind of had a bounce-back year, Trey Turner, who's kind of your perennial guy at that position, and then out of nowhere, Dansby Swanson in a contract year, finally playing really well. I don't know. I mean, Dansby Swanson had a great year last year. I feel like we can't take away from that. Yeah. But I think that this is really his, you know, he's finally yeah. coming into his own, I think. He's finally um, the guy they drafted. Yeah, absolutely. He's going to get paid a little bit this this offseason. But I think I would still go Trey Turner. But Dansby's going to be on the team, no doubt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'd go Trey, too. Um, I think somehow Fernando Tatis still leads the voting, though. <laughs> oh, my gosh. The field. Yeah. Everyone loves the kid. Yeah, at that point you have to put like qualifying numbers on it, right? You got to on the ballot. If you're MLB, you have to put something that qualifies them to be voted, you know? Exactly. Because otherwise, it becomes just a bloodbath. Um, third base is another interesting one because you got another two uh, two man race with Machado and of course Nolan Arnado. Oh yeah. Both having like almost identical years. Who do you who do you pick? I mean, that's hard. I go Machado just because he's been incredible a little more, and he he did get hurt, so he didn't wasn't able to see the field there for a little bit. But yeah, Machado he's because he's he's the Manny of old. He's the Manny we all expected to see. San Diego when they paid him two hundred ninety eight plus. Now. So, when you saw the video of Machado running down the first base line and like falling on the bag, did did his season flash before your eyes? Because it did for me. I thought he was done. I thought he was done for. Yeah, no, I thought the way his leg exploded, I thought it was over. But, I mean, he, he scraped out of there with just a sprain. It's incredible to see. I mean, man, he just catches all the breaks. 
Yeah. And I, I think, as much as I hate it, Manny Machado catches every break he can. Yeah. And I, I think the narrative about like Manny Machado being really hated and just like, oh, he's not, he did the interview where he, you know, a few years ago where he said, I'm not a guy that gives it, you know, a hundred percent every time we're past that. I think, you know, I think yeah. now we're at the point where people are starting to appreciate Manny Machado. He's so durable. He like, when he's not hurt, he plays every single game. He goes out there every day. I mean, he's just a guy that we could appreciate. So just wait till the off. Padres make a playoff run. He pulls some bullshit in the playoffs. And then, then the, I hate Manny Machado. Yeah. He gets booed everywhere, but Hey, if you're getting booed, that means you might be doing something right. Exactly. Uh, and then outfield, of course, in the National League. Um, my outfielders were Betts, Soto, and I put Jock Peterson there too. Yeah, I I'm put Jock, Jock. Yeah, 100%. He deserves it. Jock has been playing great. He's been playing some of the best ball of his career. Yeah, and I think the funny thing about Soto is that he's kind of having a down year by like his standards, but by major league standards, he's, you know, still way very good you know i don't know if that's a word way very good but we're gonna roll with it oh another sneaky first base guy we forgot to talk about or like we can get to snubs in a second but i think two guys that aren't getting worked out enough are cj crone and josh bell josh bell possibly of a different uniform come deadline time possibly a different uniform and the second that new uniform pops on is he an mvp candidate Woo! jasper Lindsay with the uh the firing takes right here Man, um, Bell's having a hell of a year. Yeah, and the DH, I know he's out for a little bit, but Bryce Harper, yeah, um, has to be. Yeah, his, you know, those stats will hold up for sure. He's the guy at that position, and he'll get the though. MVP as of now. Yeah, he's the current holder of the MVP award. No debate for me. And here's the controversy: so there's a little bit of discussion about Tony Gonsolin and Sandy Alcantara getting the start. Gonsolin has a better ERA. Uh, more wins. Well, Contera has kind of more of the strikeouts, innings. You know, he's more of the workhorse. I would go Alcantara, but I understand that it might have a different significance with the game being at Dodger Stadium. Does that play any factor for you? Yeah, we were talking about this before the show. I feel like you're starting Gonsolin and you're going with like, oh, it's LA. You got to start Shohei too. So you're taking away from probably Shane McCallahan's start, but no, I think – I don't know. It's a cool talking point, but I think Sandy Alcantara deserves to start this All-Star game. Now, will he is like – and this is just kind of a thing where it's like analytics versus the flashy stats. Are we going to go with wins and ERA and strikeouts, or are we going to go with the guy who has swing and miss stuff night in, night out, and goes seven innings every time he takes it? Yeah, and I guess also depends on – um, who's available. You know, I don't know what Alcantara's schedule is. I don't know what Gonzalez's schedule is, but sometimes you don't get to see the stars because they pitch like the day before or something. So who Either knows? Getting in the game. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then of course, is there any debate that Josh Hader's the National League's best relief pitcher? Never a doubt. Never a doubt. Okay, yeah, perfect. Great. And then Rob Manfred said that uh, he's able to pick two legends, quote-unquote legends, to participate in the All-Star game. Love it and, when Rob makes up the rules. Yes, making up the rules. Apparently, is isn't the CBA. He might, have, he might have just snuck it in, right? <laughs> Wrote it in pen uh, in the CBA. But I personally think he nailed this one. He couldn't oh, have – yeah, he couldn't have gone uh, better routes. He picked Albert Pujols from the Cardinals and Miguel Cabrera from the Tigers to represent the National League and the American League. Um, Pujols is a no-brainer. I mean, who knows where you go in the American League, but I think Cabrero was the right answer, too. Um, that would be awesome to see Albert and Miggy on the field during the All-Star game. They might feel a little awkward because maybe it's a sense of, like, do I deserve this? But I think it's a really cool thing. Miggy's batting above 300, so Miggy absolutely deserves this. He might deserve to be there anyways. Yeah, yeah you're right. He's 13th in the league in batting average yeah, crazy he, his age. I mean, his power is sapped, but he's still putting up respectable numbers. He's, a, he's a star yeah. hitter still. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, and of course, Albert getting that kind of like, have you noticed like a very hesitant farewell tour? Like, it's like they don't know if he, he did say that this was his last year, but like for some reason teams are, they're treating it as like it wasn't officially said. 
and like there's like half ovations like this guy should be getting bowed down to i know he's been a half decent hitter this year so maybe i think he feels he still has something left in the tank maybe i'd be shocked if he plays next year i think it's a long shot um but it's cool that he gets to finish out his career in st louis with yachty and wainwright yeah uh it seems like wainwright might go on you think about the way we sent out guys like mariano rivera and Derek jeter they were getting star like they were getting the bow down to the Pujols deserves. It's kind of weird to see it. Yeah. Pujols was better than both. And granted, Rivera's a pitcher, and it might not add up the same. A relief pitcher at that. But, man, Albert's one of the best. People forget that home run he hit off Brad Lidge is still in orbit. It's still flying. It's absolutely still flying. Um, Pujols has given St. Louis the lead. You know, just silence. He had three home runs in in the World Series in 2011 in one of the games um that that stretch from 01 to 2011 was like the best any right-handed hitters ever had yeah. uh just a monster and he's still going he used to be on those like 2008 video games and now he's still playing you know Crazy. amazing um there's another guy speaking of legends we mentioned jeter um derek jeter i believe on monday before the uh all-star game there's a documentary and i've been waiting for this i'm a big Derek jeter fan but i also acknowledge that he's not maybe you know i i don't like the term overrated but i think he's not as he's not the baseball player that most people like think he is when they you know when you think of Derek jeter but i'll get to that point in a second but i'm excited for this documentary coming out on espn kind of highlighting his career they nailed it with the last dance with with Michael Jordan and those those ninety bowl team bowls teams. I can't wait. ESPN does such a good job with these things that uh, you know I've been been waiting for this for months now. So it's going to be great. Yeah. What are your favorite Jeter moments? Do you have any? Yeah, uh, there was this thing he did a couple of years ago where he sold his shares with the Marlins that I thought was pretty cool. <laughs> um, no, I mean. I got to say, like, hitting a home run for your 3,000th hit. Yeah. That was incredible to see. And uh, walking it off in his final game at Yankee Stadium. Uh, yeah, those are two great ones. And I wish we could have seen Jeter, like, in those with those 90s teams. Oh, that would have yeah. been so fun. Yeah. And um, that's why the overrated conversation starts up. Yeah. And speaking of the overrated conversation, like, I understand that people want to say, oh, Nomar Garciaparo was better and Barry Larkin was better. But Jeter's getting all this because he played in New York. That's the beauty of it. Nobody's arguing that Derek Jeter was, you know, Derek Jeter is a great baseball player, no doubt. But nobody's arguing that he was bad defensively. Nobody's arguing that he might have not been the guy you were scared of when navigating through the Yankees lineup. But people are just saying he was the face of one of the best modern day dynasties ever. And he did it in the biggest city. He handled the media well, he handled everybody well. And publicly like the, the whole like thing you thought about when you thought of Derek Jeter was winning. Cause that's all he said publicly. Oh, Derek, what did you think about your accomplishment? Well, we won today. You know, he was that guy that would answer with those. I, just, I don't know. I think he was he such was a, a figure. He was a leader. Captain, the leader in New York, the face of baseball for so many years. And you know, the next time people want to, people want to trash Derek Jeter, look at his impact. Look at how many guys wore number two because of Derek Jeter. So that's my rant. No, there you go, man. I completely agree. Uh, oh, one other moment I forgot when, I mean, when he flipped that ball to the catcher, he had yeah. no reason being over there, but that guy, his range was unlimited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And speaking of the inspiration, people try to do that. Now kids try to do that. Kids do the jump play. Every time you do the jump play, I mean, you are literally living under a rock. If you don't do the jump play and then say Jeter, you yeah. know, he's the like, Kobe of Kobe. Yeah. <laughs> exactly like every everybody associates the jump play with jeter and it's not just some like wicked clown play it's an effective play that major leaguers still use you know and nobody used it before um so i mean it's absurd i i could understand why people like want to say he's not you know he's not cal ripkin he's not i understand it but he's also not just some scrub that just happened to be on a winning team so yeah. I think that's really unfair, but I mean, the guy has 3000 hits. What are we, what are we talking about? 3000 hits, biggest stage, one uniform winner, you know, yeah. just, I remember his last walk off single two 
against the Orioles. The Orioles actually ended up tying the game late in that one. And then um, Jeter was due up third in that inning and got the base hit to win the game. And that was pretty awesome. Um, So you got to love that, but I can't wait for this documentary. I think it's going to be like six parts I heard or something. It's going to be outstanding uh, on ESPN there. And one of the things that I saw from the preview was they talked to Alex Rodriguez. So that is something to look for because there's reported bad blood between them for so many years. So, but who's still owning a professional sports team? Not Jeter, A-Rod. Timberwolves, baby. Let's hop into uh, what's going on here in the second half. I know we, touched a little bit on deadline we could finish with deadline and then we'll go into a deeper deadline we'll do a separate show on that maybe for sure um just kind of at glance looking around the standings we'll go back to them is there any team that just like is full-on surprising that might buy i mean maybe that you didn't think would buy before but it's going to buy now i mean it's it's phillies i think the phillies have to buy yeah um they got a good one Relief. The Definitely. Giants, if they get bad enough, like they're not bad enough, but if they lose to the point where they're not in that wild card window anymore, do you think about moving Jock? Yeah, I could see that too. And he's yeah. the guy that was traded last year on a one year deal. So I don't see why they wouldn't do it yeah. again. But yeah, I think the Giants, for now, I think they stand pat. Absolutely. And if they go on a crazy win streak, you absolutely add someone. Um, I want to say maybe the Mariners just because they've had a resurgence recently and they could definitely use another starting pitcher if they want to take a run at that wild card spot. Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. And again, we'll, we'll dive into the deadline. That was just a tease. We wanted to give it a little bit of a tease of what's to come. I'll give a big tease right here to kind of end it here. What will the angels do? Maybe not this off season, maybe not this deadline season, but like when's enough enough. Like, when is it going to be complete torn down? When is Otani, who's, you know, everybody's talking about his contract situation when he's a free agent. Is Otani likely on the move soon? Is Mike Trout the best player the Angels franchise I've ever seen? Is he on the move soon? I mean, maybe we can answer that another day, but I'm just going to tease that. So, yeah. Anyways. Jasper, enjoy the All-Star game. I'll be in San Diego the week leading up. So uh, not only did I miss this giant series in San Diego, I'll uh, be in L.A. the last few games of that trip and then um, or the last few days of the trip, and I'll miss the All-Star game by a few days too. So just a poorly planned trip on my part. So enjoy, enjoy the All-Star game. Oh, I will. Hopefully we have a representative for the Rockies, but I doubt it. Yeah, who, who, do, you think, who do you think would uh, – I mean, it's got to be C.J. Crone, right? Or maybe Daniel Bard. He's been a great relief pitcher. Um, I'll tell you what, if Chad Cool gets an all-star nod, there goes his trade value. So I'm kind of rooting for that a little bit. I don't know. That, we'll see what well, happens. That would be epic if Brian Snicker goes, I want Bud Black on my staff. <laughs> yeah, hey. Be to see. Wouldn't be shocked. All right, man. Well, enjoy enjoy your week. And uh, – and, uh, yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this episode. 110 episodes. Crazy to think. Uh, and you guys could follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at RizzoCast. Subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you find your podcast. And have a great day.